Welcome to Two Priests Talking, a podcast where two Anglican priests sit down to talk about our current cultural moment and how we might live as faithful Christians in the midst of it. I'm Father Aaron Wright. I am the rector here at Old North Abbey Anglican Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I am one of Two Priests Talking. Our hope is to bring you conversations about reasonable faith in what seems to be less than reasonable times. And I'm Father Nick Hamilton, the Associate Rector here at Old North Abbey, and we are Two Priests Talking. <laughs> Your chair. Do we need to get a... Uh, My chair is real, real wobbly today. Sp- speaking of that, I heard um, I was meeting with oh, the same parishioners you met with this morning. Hmm. A while back, and they said that the term for getting your chair or your table corrected is to scotch it. Scotch it. Do we need to scotch my chair? I think you're going to need to scotch your microphone up toward your mouth just a little bit more. Is this just, better? No, just point it up. Yeah. I don't know, man. I like yeah, that's the, it. Oh, but see, it's this. There we go. Boom shakalaka. So I think you should probably scotch your chair. I'm just going to bounce around today. It's a little annoying. I'll try not to bounce too much. Do you know what I've recently gotten into? Scotching chairs? No. <laughs> I want to build a barndemonium. A barndemonium? Barndemonium. I don't know what that means. Barndemonium. 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 Barnacles. Barndemonium. Barndemonium. I don't know. It's barndemonium. It's like a... Condominium made out of barns? Yes. Is it multiple barns joined together? No, no, no. We would never do that. It's condominiums in a barn. No, it's like one, it's like a house that's like a big metal steel structure on the inside. It's amazing. On the outside, it's... Just a barn. Kind of. My friend Wes built that, actually. It's really beautiful. It's just a huge steel barn that... On the inside is amazing. Is a house. That's what I want. It's kind of practical, and it's also kind of a... Here it comes. It, it lends itself to questions of what is the purpose of beauty in the building of a building, right? Well, you can make them really beautiful outside, too. The ones that I'm looking at are, are actually quite, quite beautiful on the outside. Sure, and I guess then it also lends itself to the question of are homes meant to look like a particular thing and not to be barn-like? I don't think so. These actually look, a lot of these look like homes. But then it's not a barn dominium. It is. We'll talk about that later. Welcome I, to do Two Priests Talking. Do you what? think you can forgive me for having a different opinion than you? Um, I, just, <laughs> I just didn't, it wasn't really that deep of a thing. Come on, man. I'm just thinking about it. I'm just channeling my, my inner, and maybe he doesn't even listen to our podcast, but I was channeling my inner soon-to-be father, Joe Gunby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. He Make probably it. doesn't listen to our podcast, but if somebody does that knows him, they'll tell him you said that, and then he'll listen to the podcast. That's right. But I, I was just trying to think about the nature of beauty in the barn dominium. Yeah. There's some of them that are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, maybe we spend too much time making our homes look beautiful on the outside. I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those questions I can't answer. I know. That's my, my house is built out of brick, which is like the perfect building material because it's low maintenance. That's right. 
and it's kind of beautiful in the nature of the brick. Like brick is good looking. Well, at least my brick's good looking. I think your brick is very good looking Thanks. brick. Our church is brick. It's pretty. Yeah. There's Although, some brick that's not pretty. I think that our church would look really pretty if we painted it white. I think it would look gorgeous, but yeah. I'll tell you, I don't think it's going to happen. Man, do we need to like stage a coup in the vestry? Mm-mm. It'll be okay. <laughs> there's certain things that there's certain things that we don't need to worry about. I'm not so worried about it. Yeah. Um, people are still coming regardless of the painting of our building. I have heard that people are a little bit perturbed with our steeple though. Oh, I'm perturbed with the steeple. I know, but I heard that you want to make it a round steeple. I kind of want to take the whole steeple off. <gasps> no steeple? Something. We'll figure something out, but it's... How do you redo the children's hand-folding thing? Like, here's the church, here's the steeple, open it up, here are all the people. Well, because what's the most important thing, the steeple or the people? How do you know it's a church without a steeple? It's kind of like the barn and the home question. How do you know it's a barn or a home? Because it says it's a church. <laughs> People are going to have a lot to fast forward through in this episode. Mr. Canon Theologian will definitely fast forward through this part. Cause Fa- he, Father Father Root. He, he, he does not like it when we just jibber-jabber. I think jibber-jabbering, jibber-jabbering is an important part of being human. Oh, I think it's the best part of being human. <laughs> <laughs> I could spend my whole life just jibber-jabbering. Man, what a great life that would be. What are you doing today? I uh, just... Jibber jabbering. Jibber jabbering. Just jibbering the jabber. We're in a, uh, this is number five. Yeah, season uh, season four, episode five. The four five. Human, four five. Human flourishing. We're in a season of human flourishing. We've been talking about um, just certain aspects that we thought were really important to humans flourishing. <laughs> we started off with that centrifugal and centripetal. That idea of what is our telos? Does it go out from us or does it something that we're sort of engaged with but just ourselves? Is our affection, our desires, all of those things moving outward towards something beyond ourselves or is it something that we're trying to pull into ourselves? I think that right there today, will will that'll f- kind of pull into this forgiveness piece versus condemnation too because forgiveness really is a centrifugal motion of the human being towards others when uh, a centripetal um, is actually condemnation is so geared in ourselves. Yeah. Um, Especially if we're condemning someone else. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or even condemning ourselves. Both of those would be highly centripetal. Yeah. Yeah. There's no freedom in that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So you, you're, you're pouring through the BCP as we talk. And um, well, I wondered if there, you know, I'm just thinking toward the end of this podcast because it can't come soon enough. Um, <laughs> I, I was wondering, actually, as we were talking, I was like, is there a prayer for forgiveness in the uh, occasional prayers? And it doesn't appear that there is. Now, there's obviously prayers for um, absolution um, in in the reconciliation of penitence and in the Eucharist and the daily office. But I was curious if there was a prayer for forgiveness um, and I don't see one. So that's what I was, that's what I was doing. There's this guy, his name was Jesus and he gave us a great prayer for forgiveness. That's also true. <laughs> we talked some about it yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Which is uh, in, the, in the Lord's prayer, this idea of uh, forgive us our trespasses, our sins, our debts as we forgive those 
who have trespassed or are debtors or those who have sinned against us. So forgiveness is a real crucial piece of human flourishing. True or false? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Option C, neither. Neither. Uh, Yes, I would say it's, I would say it's true. I think apart from forgiveness, flourishing is apart from being forgiven flourishing is impossible and apart from extending forgiveness to others flourishing is impossible um but i think that it would be interesting i guess i was thinking about this as we were getting ready to start chatting with one another do you feel like there's a moment in time for yourself that you recall in your own life where you were even where you were either excuse me forgiven for something Mm -hmm. or were challenged with the need to forgive someone that has kind of made an indelible mark on you. Is there one of those? And I don't, I was thinking about it for myself too. Yeah. There's been numerous. I mean, is there one of those that you could unpack in such a way that the parties involved would be cared for and everything else, knowing that thousands upon thousands of people listen to this podcast? Sure. Um, let me see if I can, figure the way the best way to do it uh i once met this guy named uh schmick schmamilton <laughs> and he said something to me one day and i said listen here buddy um no i think there's been individuals in my life who um have wronged me well i know i'll give you a great little story about the importance of and this just happened recently without names being named and there's people of course who i've wronged i was going to get to that as well um Oh, just about a month and a half ago, I was at a school campus here, and it's a school campus that I go to quite a bit, and I was walking uh, to my car, and uh, this student came up to me and said, um, I need to talk to you about something, and I said, well, of course, sure, um, but just so you know, hi, my name's Aaron, because I didn't know who they were. Hmm. And they said, well, my name is so-and-so. And they said, uh, I just wanted to tell you something. I needed to ask for your forgiveness for something. And I thought, my goodness, this is like out of the blue. Hmm. Never met this person in my life, anything. And they said, do you remember um, a couple of years ago when there was a rumor going around school that you were the leader of a cult? <laughs> you know, and um, I said, yes, I do remember that. Um, and they said, well, I'm the one who started that rumor. Mm. And they said, and I just wanted to tell you how sorry I am Hmm. that I didn't know what I was talking about. And I would ask for your forgiveness. That's pretty powerful. Oh, from a student, man. Yes. So powerful. Um, and I was like, of course, my goodness. And it led to this really good conversation. And then I get back into my van and I just kind of start crying. Hmm. Um, uh, and not because I was, I was, I was not wounded by this. I kind of found it somewhat comical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so impressed with this movement towards reconciliation mm. um, that I... I thought this is, man, that's the gospel right there. Yeah. Just being lived out. And then on the flip side of that, there was a couple 
oh, this is many years ago, who asked me to do their premarital counseling. And I couldn't do it at the time. But I didn't handle it well. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't handle it well at all. And I ran into them into the, in the grocery store. And um, I just went up to them and I said, hey. Because here's the thing. I would see them quite often. And I always had this deep sense of regret. Mm-hmm. This deep sense of um, probably shame. Um, I, it's probably one of those things where I was hardened in my heart. Um, when I initially had been talking with them. And I went up to him and I just said, hey, I just wanted to say several years ago when we had those conversations that I didn't handle that well. Mm-hmm. And I'm really sorry. And uh, I would like your forgiveness. And they just said, oh, of course we forgive you, you know. Um, Those things, and I'll tell you, so now it's like there's a freedom there that I can't explain that I never had before. Um, And those are just two quick little stories I think that are helpful. There's been bigger and deeper things in my life that I've had to ask forgiveness for or had to receive or had to to offer forgiveness. those are just two and the freedom that comes from that right yeah it's just unbelievable yeah both being forgiven and asking and and having forgiveness asked oh my gosh yeah Yeah. being able to extend forgiveness sure yeah sure yourself Uh, well can i ask a follow-up question to that first story sure did you ask that student to join our cult afterward (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) no fair enough but um no, because she 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 goes to a she goes another to a church and <laughs> she goes to another church and it was just a mis- misunderstanding. Yeah, I'm just making light, but oh, I, no, I, I love no. I love that degree of. Um, it takes it takes a large amount of humility, but also an intentionality that's impressive for someone I assume who is in high school. Um, yeah, so it's a learning experience too, right? There's a formation that takes place in that. What you're saying is that now in life, if she experiences gracious, if she can experience gracious reception from others in the act of asking for forgiveness, yeah, this is why it's so important to, to extend forgiveness when it's right. possible at the time, um, which we can get into later. I mean, my hope for her was, man, she'll go forward learning a life of repentance and confession and that'll just make her so strong in the Lord. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. You know, if she holds on to those kinds of, on that kind of, to that kind of a humility in her life, um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, one, I have a really bad memory, which is something that I sometimes am slightly concerned about. Maybe I need to eat more vegetables or something. But two, the, the, the situations where I have... I thought you meant you had like a bad memory. No, no, no. Like no, what you were no, going to no, tell no. us about. As in, it does not work well okay. uh, sometimes. So, but the, the times that stand out to me most, probably because they are most frequent, are with my own family. Sure. Um, it's pretty rare that a week uh, goes by where I do not need to ask my kids or my wife for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a real regular 
part of my life because I'm kind of a jerk. Um, amen. And because, amen, and because the Lord is hopefully working to make me more like himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's really powerful when you goof up with your kids and you have a moment where you can step into a space where you can have a conversation with them and say, Hey, when I did this, or when I said this, or when I spoke this way, or when I spoke this way about this person, you know, like (laughs) to just run through some of the things, um, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Mm -hmm. And to have a kid, to have your own child say, yeah, I forgive you is really powerful. Um, and I'm really grateful that that's kind of a part of our, uh, you know, James K. A. Smith says that every house has a hum. That's part of the background hum in our home that I'm grateful for. Um, I've never had my kid say to me, no, I won't forgive you. <laughs> um, and the same is true of, Katie and I, I regularly find myself asking for forgiveness with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty normal part of our day-to-day experience. Mm-hmm. We wrong each other frequently. That's part of what it looks like, sadly, to be uh, married, I think. not Maybe not for everybody, but in our experience, there's plenty of um, sin, mostly my own, that requires repentance and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to think of, uh, kind of profound time where I've been wronged that I've then needed to extend forgiveness. And I can't really think of one. Um, I mean, I can think of several times I've been wronged, but that there wasn't necessarily a reciprocal movement toward forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I've still in my heart had to engage with the Lord and Mm -hmm. forgive that person Mm -hmm. so as to not become bitter. Um, And I think there are several of those moments, but nothing like nobody's ever accused me of being a cult leader (laughs) that I'm aware of. Yeah. I mean, I will say when I was a cult leader, it was really fun. (laughs) Um, So, but, but I do know, I do know that apart from, and I, I don't, I hope this comes across appropriately. I don't say this in such, and we can talk more about this in such a way to like toot my own horn. I think that this is the Holy Spirit and God's grace and mercy directed toward me. I do know that apart from doing some interior work in some spaces where I have been wronged, by other people where there wasn't a uh, movement on their part toward me to ask for forgiveness, I would be a pretty bitter person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's kind of th- threefold levels of forgiveness, right? There's that needing to ask for forgiveness when I've done something wrong to somebody extending forgiveness when someone requests, you know, forgiveness, um, from me, and then just extending forgiveness toward people who wrong us, but maybe don't recognize the wrong that they've committed. Right. Um, so that we don't drown in our own bitterness. Sure. sure. Um, and there's maybe some other levels, but those are three <clears throat> yeah. that come to mind. Well, the levels when you have 
uh, it's interesting when you have um, two individuals that are talking about something that needs to be righted that's been wronged and there is forgiveness between two people or more yeah. people yeah. then you have reconciliation right there's some things that will never be reconciled sure but it doesn't mean that one party can't forgive the other and right. move on with their life right um and that's a different kind that's almost like a releasing um like you get that little bit in in luke's gospel this idea of the releasing of the debts that sure. people hold sure. regardless um you know, there's this sort of like, I release that. I can't do anything about it. I've tried to reconcile, you know, there's something that's, it's not going to work. Right. So I will release that debt. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of carry on yeah. in life. Yeah. Those are two very different things. There's a proverb and my wife would know the address and <clears throat> her scripture memory ability is far beyond mine. But the, the paraphrase is it's to his glory uh, who overlooks an offense, right? It's our, it's our glory to overlook an offense. And that's that whole other level where the offense was committed, but you're just able to say, okay, I'm going to overlook it. Right. Like there's that whole other level, but I like that. I I think you're (laughs) right. There is a sense that we oftentimes don't necessarily experience full reconciliation in offenses sure and yet we still need to overlook the offense or forgive the offense Um, there's probably a whole slew of people out there who have released things i've done or forgiven exactly and i have no idea right um (laughs) so you know i'm I'm looking at this and it's so interesting if when we when we put this human flourishing you know board together and we said this is it 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 lines up so well so i want to walk through that real quick before we get into the details of forgiveness because i think it's actually really helpful when we look at the christian understanding of the world and we talked about first and foremost this uh this singular truth in christ uh, that christ is the centrifugal outward motion of god to us that in doing so, we, we learn what it is to live outside of ourselves. And then the next thing we talked about was the importance of authentic community and friendship. Within authentic community and friendship, forgiveness is an essential piece of this. Right. Like even God's movement towards us in a centrifugal motion is an act of forgiveness towards humanity for the wrongs that have been done. Right. And then we get in last week to this, the importance uh, or our last session of discourse and dialogue which is the beautiful thing of speech and how our words create truths, Mm -hmm. right? Which is rooted in this idea of forgiveness or this practice of forgiveness. Well, and if you're going to be in any sort of dialogue or discourse with one another, you're going to hurt each other. And the the need for forgiveness is crucial, right? Like to have conversation in the midst of relationship is to open yourself up to the potential for being hurt, right? Goodwill hunting talks about this a lot. <laughs> Do you want to go further with that? No, I will tell you a really funny goodwill hunting story in a second, though. Sure, but yeah, and I and I think that that's, you know, we have the option in community and in friendship, and in conversation and dialogue, to be centrifugal or centripetal, right? Like if if you and I were to hurt one another with our words we each have an option. We can move toward one another or we can move away from one another. Um, 
And that's part of the risk that relationship always offers us. Mm -hmm. There's just no way around it because legitimate, true, uh, honest, vulnerable relationship will lead to hurt and pain. That's right. And as a result, we'll need reconciliation, which is how forgiveness enters into the mix, Mm -hmm. right? That's right. Absolutely. So the flip side of that, when we talked about humans humans not flourishing, uh, we talked about this sort of secular understanding of the pluricity of truth. Um, We talked about the centripetal motion, which is mostly focused on myself or on myself. And in doing so, we create tribalism, where we have mind tribalism or the unfriending of people, the elimination of relationships. We want to get rid of toxic people in our life, which is an act of unforgiveness. It's an act of condemnation. And then we talked about the, the issue of, um, of discourse and dialogue, of, of a healthy, lively, or the death of discourse, which is like we only can speak in particular ways. Mm-hmm. We have to endorse certain things. Yeah. Um, so that we don't yeah. hurt each other with our speech. That's right. And we're forced. Yeah, right. And we're forced to speak this kind of language that becomes compulsory. Uh, and if you refuse, you can be muted or canceled or silenced or you can be made dumb, right? Right, we'll take your voice away from you because you could potentially harm us. Right. Because you've chosen to speak in a way that isn't the way that we have chosen to be spoken to. That's right. Right. That's right. Which is the opposite of authentic relationship, community, uh, discourse. It's just fascinating. Because how are we to dialogue in a way where there's any growth for either of us if we can't say those things that are on the edges of our growth, you know, those things that could potentially harm us or make us feel hurt. Like if, if you had no freedom to speak into my life, when you saw my blind spots, I would never grow and vice versa. Yeah. And I would never know what it is to truly, I would never know what it is to receive grace. Right. If we're always faking. Right. Yeah. Right. I have to, in a sense, be real with you, say things that may hurt you, and then you extend forgiveness and then the relationship goes deeper yeah. and then there's there's more edges that are opened up for us to become closer yeah. with one another. That's, that's authentic friendship. Uh, but the opposite, of course, of forgiveness would be condemnation. And we live in a time right now where there is just, we are, like, everybody is condemned by everybody. Yeah. Right? You, you can't do anything right. People walk around with lists of people who have been condemned. You know, this is my list of people I've condemned. That's right. <laughs> and I won't listen to them. I don't want anything to do with them. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, we, the only thing that I truly uh, blacklist in my family or in my life with my family is there's a few restaurants I've had to blacklist. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't speak about those. We don't speak. <laughs> I'm like, we just, they, they, we give them like one or two tries and yeah. then we're like, yeah, I think. I think we'll never go there again. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we do that very easily with people or people groups. Um, that's kind of where we're, where we're at right now from a cultural perspective. So yeah. today we just kind of wanted to talk about forgiveness from a biblical perspective. Uh, give us some examples of forgiveness uh, that we think are beautiful in scripture um, and kind of unpack the difference between forgiveness and then sort of this condemnation uh, that we're seeking and why one of them is fruitful towards flourishing and one of them is deadly uh, to flourishing. And to some degree, it's important probably to acknowledge that one of them is actually easier than the other. And 
I, I think condemnation is easier to engage with than forgiveness is, which is part of why we're in the space that we're in. I think that condemnation happens without any sort of uh, friction, right? Like you can condemn somebody without it, without it seeming, let me say it that way, to cost you too much. Whereas forgiveness is a lot like um, lifting weights, right? It's really difficult to do, but as you do it more frequently, as you ask for forgiveness more frequently and extend forgiveness more frequently, the easier it becomes. There's a sense that it really is such a crucial part of being human that it becomes easier to do the more you do it. But apart from it, it's just like trying to lift, deadlift 500 pounds, you know, it's just so hard to do. Um, I know you deadlift 500 pounds without much effort, but it's still way out there for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would, I want to, I want to, I want to change maybe when you said that, I kind of want to change the language that yeah. you used. You said that condemnation you think is easier um, than forgiveness. I and think I, in the sense that we do it more naturally in than the forgiving. Yeah. Because I think it has such uh, like grave uh, results for our life if we're unable to forgive. It becomes so difficult for us. Yeah. Like, I mean, condemnation actually, I mean, it just chews us up and spits us out. Yeah. I was, um, there's that old saying um, about bitterness and, and the inability to forgive, which I think is really interesting. If you think about bitterness is rooted in the inability to forgive. Mm -hmm. When you just continually condemn somebody, you see them in different light. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> this is so, <laughs> if you're unable to forgive somebody, then you never see them correctly. Right? Sure. You, you, you hold their sin or their wrong and maybe they haven't even done that. You just don't like them. Your, or your perception of their sin or their wrong. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And maybe it's actually your sin <laughs> that you're seeing them through. Yeah. Um, but when you continue to do that, it builds up bitterness in your heart. Um, there's the old saying, uh, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die from it. Right. There's a power in forgiveness that actually releases us. Right from condemnation of others. Yes. Um, and so there's this point in the scripture, I would like, I'd, I'd like to get your thought about this because I've always said that, um, that one of the most important moments in scripture we often just glance over hmm. and it's Jesus on the cross, right? Saying, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, right? Yeah. Have you ever wrestled with that thought or how do you view it? How do you see it? Because I've been looking at it from a different lens after a few years. Just that statement is just such a powerful statement. Uh, how do you process that? And what do you think it means for our living out forgiveness? That's a pretty big question, isn't it? That's a pretty big statement on Jesus's part. I think there is a pretty real sense that we often don't know what we're doing as humans in general. Um, I think we're often pretty self-assured in our actions, um, but we're frequently acting from a place of ignorance. I think in that moment, for sure, humanity in general was acting from a place of ignorance, not recognizing 
who Christ was and what he had come to offer us. So there was a very real um, beauty to what he was praying in that moment. Um, you know, it's echoed by Paul in Second Timothy. We were just going through Second Timothy. Paul echoes Jesus's sentiment to a large degree. You know, he's talking about how at his first trial, everyone abandoned him. You know, they took off. They were afraid of what might become. And he says, let it not be held against them. Um, and I think that both of those examples are pretty profound because we often are so reactionary in life that we're not sure why we're doing the things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. But I'd have to sit with it some more. I mean, as you have been thinking about that, I, I, I'm sitting here wishing I remembered what Newhouse said about it in his death on a Friday afternoon. It's not mm. coming to me either. But as you've thought about those words, I mean, how has that changed your thought process? Well, part of, uh, part of what's changed my thought process is that book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Death on a Friday Afternoon is just a wonder. If you've never read that book, it's, I mean, it's one of the most amazing works on atonement. I love it. Um, I was asked. I was asked by somebody recently, like, why did Jesus? Why did God have to put Jesus on the cross in order to forgive us? Like, what's all that about? Like, it seems like God could just forgive. Mm -hmm. That's like, a real popular question right now. But you know, there is something to that that I appreciate. It's like, yeah, God could could forgive, but He drew our attention to Him. This is so interesting to me. Um, he drew the eyes of the world to Himself on the cross. Hmm. And, and this is why I think that statement is so important because in the moment that it's taking place, Jesus speaks to every human who's ever lived in the midst of the crucifixion. It happens in the crucifixion. Hmm. This is where I think heaven and earth come together and there is a fully realized understanding of the forgiveness of humanity in the cross, oh, yeah. which is where Jesus says, forgive them in the moment. And so there's something there that's so powerful that all those who have lived before, all those who have lived at that moment who were there, and all of us who have come afterwards as humanity receive from Jesus in the cross, yeah. the words, forgive them mm -hmm. for they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. There is a like that is such a powerful thing because it's, it's the, the issue of, uh, it's speech to, <laughs> he speaks sure. this reality. Sure. Uh, and so there's a new creation in the world when he speaks again of, of forgiveness and the possibility of forgiveness that, that I've, I've, I always just used to look at that as Jesus just sort of saying these folks who are around, Mm. Oh, forgive them. They don't know sure. what they're doing. But this is the actual act in the moment. It's that universal statement of forgiveness. And speech lining up with with um, with deed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's word and deed together. This is the act of forgiveness that Christ offers the world in the crucifixion itself. Right. It's, right. it's brilliant. Well, and in forgiveness, we join ourselves to Christ's forgiveness, right? There's a very real... 
um, need for us to be people who forgive. I mean, Jesus's words are and essentially that if we are unwilling to forgive, then we will not experience forgiveness. That's right. Um, to paraphrase. So there's this need for us to look at his words on the cross, his actions on the cross and embrace the reality of our forgiveness and then extend forgiveness to the world around us as well, to those who hurt and wrong us, or we will miss out on the forgiveness of God, Mm -hmm. um, which is a real challenge, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the disciples wrestled with it themselves. They're like, so if we're wronged, you know, how many times do we have to forgive for it to be enough? Mm -hmm. Which is, I love that question because it's just the perfect... Uh, human articulation of pain <laughs> in <Right>. some ways. <laughs> how, how, much, how much pain do I have to go through before I can stop experiencing yeah, pain? Before I, can, before I can unfriend this person, mm-hmm. right? Before mm-hmm. I can be done with this person. And <clears throat> Jesus' answer there is, well, you can't be wronged too many times and in fact, you need to continue to forgive no matter how many times you're wronged. And then at the end of his life, he gives us the example of the cross and his words there, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so mm-hmm. the disciples are probably like, okay, he really meant it when he said 70 times, seven times 70. Mm-hmm. He meant that we do not get to not forgive someone. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty fascinating because I feel like even within the church today, we are looking for ways um, to not forgive those who are quite possibly our brothers and sisters, but maybe don't agree with us on 100% of the things that we would say we believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like at least in the social media sphere, even within the church, there's this desire to not forgive people for the sins that they're committing. Yeah, it's, it's rooted in this idea of self-preservation. A lot of times it's like, I don't want to really reconcile. I don't want to deal with it. They, bra- they, they drag me down. They bring me down. They bring the church down. Yeah. Um, and I understand there's situations where there has to be maybe difficult conversations and things. But and maybe there's a difference between, like I was saying earlier, forgiveness and reconciliation. Sure. There's some individuals who just refuse to be reconciled. Sure. Um, and you have to forgive. Um, but uh, no, I think, yeah, to your point, there is a lot of that going on right now, culturally speaking, within the church as well. Right. Where there is this desire to sort of, out of self-preservation, right, um, to say, I don't really want to get drugged know, dragged down into this right Mark and Meyer of this person's life. Well, let me ask you this question because we're elevating, rightly so, Christ's example of humility and forgiveness on the cross, right? As the gold standard for forgiveness, right? That's we want to forgive the way that we I have been forgiven. I think that should probably be the gold standard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that there's a better one. I don't think there is. Um what, uh, I mean, as Christians, intellectually, we know that we ought to forgive people for the wrongs that are committed against us and that we ought to seek forgiveness when we wrong others. What makes it so difficult for us to forgive and to ask for forgiveness? 
I mean, you were saying self-preservation is a piece of why it's difficult to forgive. Um, but I mean, when you think about forgiveness, both in the course of your, your, your own life, as well as in the course of your life as a priest, what has made it most difficult for people to forgive others when you think about it? Well, I think about it. I mean, as you were saying that I had some answers in my head that were coming. Um, well, we, as humans, we actually do have a really strong sense of justice. Hmm. It's sort of built into us. So we know that hurt and pain are wrong. We're not meant to be in pain and hurt and people hurt us. And we think that something needs to be done for that. Sure. Like, and if I can withhold something from somebody, if I can hold this against them, then that sort of becomes a piece of justice. Like, you know, they hurt me, so I'm going to do this and even it out. Mm -hmm. And I think that that will, um, sort of even it out a bit. Right. Yeah. In some sort of cosmic sense. Yeah. You're, like, you're restoring the balances or just like if you hurt me, if I hurt you the same, which mm -hmm. it never happens, you always hurt more because you're, you're, you're going for more unless the person just doesn't care. Sure. Like kudos to that person. Yeah. Who's just like, you know, yeah, you know, um, but I think it's also rooted in power. Okay, so right. the sense of justice or right. the need for justice. Of right, some but that's kind of also rooted in power because we want to be able to be the ones who hold power over people. Mm -hmm. We want to keep them in bondage for the wrongs that they've done. So we don't really want justice. We do. We do. We just want to be the justice keeper. We want to be the judge. We want to determine how long it goes and to what extent. Mm -hmm. And this is... Um, I think this is the real issue. Yeah. Um, but what happens is, is you in doing so become the slave right. to your own inability to forgive. Yeah. You're put in bondage yourself. When we were, um, when Old North Abbey years ago, when we were under uh, a different diocesan setup, we had one of the bishops from Rwanda who came and was at our church for about six months awesome man. He did a ton of work in Rwanda, uh, regarding, um, the reconciliation after the 93 genocide and things along those lines in that time frame. And this is a story that when I tell this people, they, they don't want to hear it. They don't like it. They, they just, it, it freaks them out a little bit. But at that point in time, he was a bishop, right? And when the, the genocide happened, there was a, a guy who was a bishop, but of the different tribe. There was, it was the uh, Hutus and Tutsis, is that right? And I forgot which one was which, but he was walking down the street, the bishop who we knew, and this other bishop was trying to knock him off, have him killed, right? Because he was from a different tribe, this is during the, the thing, so that he could ascend in the, into the bishopric. So this is kind of like the ACNA and the and tech. <laughs> no, I would never say that. Uh, Sorry, bad joke. There's, yeah, it was a, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> Will you forgive me for that bad joke? Yeah, threw a, had Thank somebody you. throw a grenade at him. Oh, man. I tried to kill him. And that was just one of the moments. And then when he found out that he, when he found out who was behind it, right, he went to meet him. This is so powerful. And now they, he hired him 
like through the years to become uh, one of his the individuals who supports him and travels with him because it's such a story of reconciliation hmm. you know yeah um it's really beautiful it's cra- and, and it makes people angry because they'll say well how can somebody do that and like bring a person that dangerous into their you know, and it's like, no, you don't understand. There was, there was reconciliation. There was forgiveness. Yeah. But that Bishop had to let go of the power that he could hold over that person because he could have ruined their life. He could have destroyed them. It's the same situation we get in the, um, in Les Mis in the very beginning when he is stolen from yeah. and he says, oh, you forgot the candlesticks. Yeah. How could you forget the silver candlesticks? Mm-hmm. And he's like, with, um, I've purchased you. You work for me now. Yeah. Um, that is not a power over the person. That is a freedom and releasing of the person to be the thing that they've actually been called to be by God. Right. And I love that, that as the church, we get this in John, you have the power on, on earth to release, you know, sins, to forgive sins. And that which you, you forgive is forgiven. And that which with you withhold is, is withheld. And that is, a, that is a great mystery to me. But there's something in that that I think is, is really important. If you are the unforgiver, you are the one who finds yourself in bondage. Yeah. You're the slave, right? Well, we had, I gave a homily yesterday and talked about Corey Ten Boom and a parishioner sent me a video uh, this morning, uh, which was essentially just a snippet of a speech that she had given later on in life. And she was talking about how she was walking down the street one day after world war two, after the concentration camps and ran into one of the Nazi guards at her concentration camp who was so thrilled to see her because he had become a Christian and he had recognized his wrongdoing in the camps and had been asking the Lord to give him an opportunity to see one of the people in the camps who he had been a guard over to ask for their forgiveness. And he asked Corey Tenboom if she could forgive him. And her immediate response in her heart was, no, I can't forgive you. She was like, I saw my sister who died under your watch and all these different things. And then she talks about how she had seen in that moment too Christ on the cross. And she was brought to this space where she recognized that if she were not to forgive this man, then she would ultimately not experience the forgiveness that she's meant to experience Mm -hmm. through Christ. And so she shook his hand and said, I forgive you. I mean, that's pretty intensely powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so counter to the way that we would like to live, I think, and Mm -hmm. to the way that, um, as humans, we frequently do live. And, I, and it strikes me that in many ways, there's this really interesting reality that the triune God of the universe, who has always lived in perfect, um, unbroken fellowship, who has never experienced wrong in that triune uh, relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they've never wronged one another. The idea of forgiveness is from God. It's Mm -hmm. not a human construct. Mm -hmm. Like forgiveness is not something that apart from God, we would have come up with on our own. No, 
I think that's the really fascinating part about forgiveness. It's such a, um, I want to use the phrase God-like movement because I think it is. I think ultimately the only way that any of us would experience forgiveness is because of God showing us what forgiveness is, both in Christ, but even before that, right? Yeah, it's something outside of ourselves, first and foremost, right? That that has to come to us. Because ultimately in forgiveness, like the Corey Ten Boom story, or even this bishop from Rwanda, several things are taking place as I think about it. One is you're having to be confronted again. Corey, Corey was being confronted again with the atrocity, mm-hmm. something that she probably did not want to revisit, right? There's an acknowledgement of the, in that situation, atrocious wrong that's been committed, right? And then <clears throat> there's this movement into, and there's probably so many different pieces of this. Sociologists have probably written books about this stuff, but I mean, one, you're, you're reliving the wrong mm-hmm. and you're acknowledging the brokenness in such a way that you're put back in that space and then you have to release all of that emotional weight that came from that in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. Not that you're healed. There's always scars, right? Tremendous mm-hmm. scars. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I was thinking about that. One of the things I hope people don't hear us say is that if you've been seriously wrong and somebody offers forgiveness and in that moment you're like, yes, I forgive you, that everything after that is just like bliss. No, I can't imagine that Corey and that guard were friends. Yeah, well, I mean, even if they did become, I mean, it's possible, but I think there is this ongoing work on our heart in the midst of forgiveness. Like there's things that have happened in my life that have taken me years to forgive, right? And in doing so, I have to like, Oh man, this, I mean, it, it, so it comes back to baptism. It comes back to, uh, like I'm dead in baptism. So, um, I have to continue to go back to that reality that you've um, been made new. You're united right, to Christ. Right. Yeah. It, your old self is dead. Yes. Yes. I'm not dead in baptism. <laughs> I'm raised a new life, but, but yeah, but that sort of coming back to the cross. So it, there's things that's happened in my life that's taken, you know, years for me to forgive and move through. It doesn't mean that once you offer forgiveness, like everything's okay, there becomes a way of living. It's that idea that we talked about or the practice of living into your baptism, remembering that, um, that I am dead to sin. Um, sin has no more of a grip on me. So I'm called to forgive, but it may be daily that something comes back into my thought process. And I have to continually say, Lord, uh, I, I, I need to forgive and continue to move towards forgiveness. I, I think this is, this is one of the problems that the church has probably created is a deep sense of guilt. If people are unable to forgive like that immediately, immediately and just to forgive and forget. Mm. No, you know, and that's just not what forgiveness really is. I mean, forgiveness is a, is a constant, um, reminding yourself yeah. of God's graciousness towards me. I had, when I was in doing my CPE, my, uh, CPE director, who was a counselor for me as well, which was awesome. He said to me one time, he said, forgiveness 
is realizing, well, part of forgiveness and learning to forgive is realizing that you're always capable of the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and when you realize that you're capable, anybody listening, you are capable of doing the wrongs that have been committed to you. Yeah. You go, no, 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 not me. It's like, no, 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 you. And in doing so, you realize um, the depth of your own sin, the depth of your capacity to sin. And, um, and God has offered you forgiveness, right? So uh, and that, that, that's a process of learning to forgive and continuing to forgive. Well, and I think a huge part of that, and to go back to baptism, is letting go of our sense of self, in particular our reputation, or this ideal image that we have of ourself. Being, like, a being offended. Sure, being yeah. offended or or just recognizing, right, how sinful I am. That's a really painful process, right? It's really difficult to live into the reality that I am just as capable of putting Jesus on the cross as each and every one of those people who actually put Jesus on the cross, right? Like he went to the cross because I am capable of putting him on the cross because I did put him on the cross, right? I think, and that's really one of the difficult parts about pastoral ministry too, to like speak from the um, place of a priest. One of the things that's very difficult if you're not careful is you can be frustrated with the parishioner for doing something that's really dumb. Right. And then right like that being like, Oh, I do dumb things like that all the time. Right. (laughs) I, 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 in fact, I did that last week, you know? Right. Um, right. (laughs) And so it really is, it's, um, and I think that this is part of the baptismal, the beauty of baptism, but what happens to us in the baptismal font too, like just through our union with Christ, we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And the life we now live, we live by faith in the son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. My reputation is tied entirely to Jesus Christ. And so my concern for how people view me or my image or whatever else, if it's not tied to my concern for how people see Jesus, then it's vainglorious, right? It's completely conceited. Mm-hmm. If I'm more concerned about how people view me than they, than how they view Jesus or how they view the church, then I'm in a spot where I need to ask for forgiveness of the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. But that's really hard to do. It's really hard to let Nick Hamilton be walked on if that's what's necessary and not uh, worry so much about my reputation, which is often why we do not ask for forgiveness quickly, because we're trying to justify the action that we did or the thing that we did that wronged somebody else. Oh, I wasn't really wrong. Let me explain why I did what I did. Right. Um, and then you'll see it from my point of view, and you'll recognize that I don't need to ask for forgiveness. When the fact of the matter is what I did, whether I meant for it to hurt this person or not, did hurt this person. That's right. And because my actions hurt this person, I am the one who needs to seek forgiveness. 
That's called, yeah, that's like living into a broken world you don't even realize is broken right. sometimes. Regardless yeah. of my intentions, <laughs> right. right, you know, you go to a counselor once or twice in a marriage counseling setting and you learn really quickly that forgiveness has a pattern, right? In order to ask for forgiveness, you don't say, I'm really sorry that when I did this, or sorry, you do say that. You, what you don't say is, I'm really sorry if I hurt you when I did this because mm -hmm. that puts the onus on the other person. Yeah. It's, it's their problem for being hurt. Right. Instead you say, I'm really sorry that when I did this, I hurt you. That's right. Um, and I think that's letting go of reputation. Sure. That's letting go of the, the sheen or the gloss that I want to put on myself where everybody looks at Nick and says, Oh, he does it right. Mm -hmm. He's got it right. Mm -hmm. You know, because I don't, I don't mm -hmm. do it right. I don't have it right. I do it wrong all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I even ask for forgiveness wrong <laughs> all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Um, no, that's really good. Yeah. So that's human flourishing. I think before we close out, sure. right, it'd be interesting to talk about the, its opposite of forgiveness, which is what yeah. we see is sort of condemnation. And I think if we talk about this, you'll go, oh yeah, that kind of is what's going on right now from a cultural perspective yeah on our board we have a constant confession sure yeah you you had mentioned that when we were talking about it earlier unpack constant confession i know what you were saying but i thought you explained that pretty well i don't know what i said when i said that yeah that people we have a uh we've created a cultural somebody does something wrong oh yeah and they must bring it up that they did this wrong all the time all the time in, in the sense to introduce themselves right well right. i think that's part of the fascinating moment that we live in and kind of this space where and i think that we can do this without needing to live in constant confession but in this space where we live in in a post-colonialist society right let's just take colonization of the u.s as an example um and some of the inherent evils that came along with that, right? We committed so many atrocities when we came to the United States toward the people that were already here. Mm -hmm. And then we continued to commit some atrocities, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> but there's this interesting balance between acknowledging the wrongs that have been done in the past and asking forgiveness to the best of our ability by hopefully creating systems that don't replicate those same atrocities not that we fully succeeded but for instance i don't know that it makes any sense for you and i and we'll definitely get canceled if i say this on the podcast but like as caucasian males to live in constant confession of the things that caucasian males did in the united states 250 years before we got here correct <laughs> and yep. that's partly because my ancestors weren't actually here yet. And I don't think yours were either. You know, my ancestors hadn't arrived on the shores of the U.S. Now, even if they had, I don't know what living in constant confession of that actually accomplishes. Sure. Well, yeah, and we even see this. That's you know, that's sort of a macro example. We see this lived out in a micro example yeah, too, of like micro. a like a like a Hollywood actor or something yes. says something stupid, right? And then then they have to go onto all these shows, and 
they have to go in every show. They have to bring it up. Right. And they have to have this conversation where it's like, I just want to apologize. And yeah. I did this here. And I'm going to apologize. <laughs> this and, this. and every, every, every time for years and years, that story gets brought back up. And they're sort of like having to confess again and again and again. And it gets to the point to where I saw this happen with, um, I think it was Mel Gibson when he made a statement. And, you know, he, everybody has to do an apology tour. Sure. Like when they do something. And then he got to the point where he's like, I've talked about this enough. Like, I've said it enough. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. Like, what, what else do you want me to do? But in, 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 with a, in, in a culture that has no central figure of forgiveness, mm. whereby everything is based mm. on, we place the impetus on every person to atone for their own sins. Right. And the more they confess, right. the more sorry they are, the more atonement. It becomes a form of penitence. And it's a, it's <clears throat> it's a cultural demand, right? In the same way that crucify him was a cultural demand, right? Now it's atone for your sins, right? It's you need to seek our forgiveness until we feel like you've done it sufficiently. It's power and control. Right. It's, it's amazing. It's really funny. I, th I just saw a snippet recently. I think Dave Chappelle was on Saturday Night Live recently, and he was doing the little opening monologue. And the first thing he did is he stood up and he said, hey, I got to get this out of the way before I go any further. He pulls a piece of paper out of his pocket. And he's like, I decry all acts of anti-Semitism and anyone who commits those atrocities or something like that. And then he looks at the camera and he goes, Kanye West, that's all you had to say. <laughs> you know, like there was this situation where, man, uh, to some degree, it's really simple. You just lay it out there. Now, Kanye is a whole nother story and I don't even know what all's going on with him. But there's this reality that if you have with your words, for instance, said something that you ought not to have said, and maybe you didn't even intend to say it, right? You know, you get into, again, this space where there's dialogue going on, your words are going to potentially offend somebody, right? Now, people who listen to our podcast, for the most part, are on the same page as us in terms of our thought processes. Hopefully, we've got some people who think differently than us. But at the same time, if we have legitimately hurt somebody with our words, then forgiveness is the course of action, right? I need to ask for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Now, there are times when we will speak the truth, right? You ready for it? I'm going to give you one right now. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by him, okay? What I'm saying is straight from Scripture, and here's the interpretation of it. You cannot be saved apart from Jesus Christ. That right. might hurt somebody. Sure. I do not need to ask for forgiveness for saying it. <laughs> no. Um, namely because you didn't say that you. Right. You're saying, this right. is what Jesus said about himself. This is what I believe. Because there's, but, and that's the thing. Uh, it, it, we talked about this in, in our last, uh, season, you know, with, um, the third world, second world, yeah. first world. Yeah. Uh, there is no central figure which holds humanity together except that, which is Jesus or yeah. who is Jesus. And when we place ourselves at the center of the world and we think that we have the keys to the kingdom to atone and to make everybody else atone, yeah. 
We can't. Right. And that's why we have to, as a society, we, it's, see, there's no forgiveness. We just need you to say it enough to where we think you've paid enough to bring you back in. Yeah. But there's, you still haven't. Like in Jesus, at least there's a cry from the cross. Right. That says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Right. That covers you. Yeah. Right. That speaks from a place of authority that says he's actually okay mm. or she's actually okay. I have forgiven them. Now you can. Right. Right. Ult- it, ultimate. Right. Yeah. yeah. So there's no forgiveness out. We as humans aren't able to forgive without something outside of us mm. that's actually given us uh, a way to forgive. Right. Or uh, has forgiven us ultimately. It's, yes. That's yes. A, it's like we, we don't. Right. Um, We're joining ourselves to Christ's forgiveness when we forgive others. Right. Right. And all this leads to is just the decimation uh, of, of human relationships because it, it, it lives in a constant condemnation yeah. and penitence. It creates captivity and bondage and slavery yep. for us. Yep. And I think I liked what you had said about this, and then we'll close, is that forgiveness allows us to grow up. You were talking right. about that earlier how forgiveness allows us to grow yeah because we we get our edges sort of smoothed out over time and mm-hmm. the pieces that we hold on to that we need to let go of those go right we become something really beautiful right but if we don't we i think we have it written down as um that there's if we're just in constant condemnation uh, we become like infants well and we want to treat everyone else like an infant right yeah. there isn't space to grow and mature if there isn't room for forgiveness. I think we see that kind of in politics, in Hollywood, um, in social media circles. You make one mistake and you're kicked to the curb because forgiveness isn't an option, right? Um, And if forgiveness isn't an option, then there's no room uh, to grow, I think we all will make mistakes in life. And if there isn't room for us to say, I'm sorry that I hurt you when I did this thing, will you forgive me? Then there's no space to become somebody other, at least in the mind of that person, than who you are right now, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And if I've hurt you and you will not forgive me, then I remain the person who hurt you forever, right? Like, and so in some ways, makes infants of us both we both get trapped in this stasis we can't continue to move past this place that we're in Um, now I may decide that I've done everything I can to seek forgiveness and reconciliation with you and we need to move on Mm -hmm. Um, so I could move and grow but then unforgiveness also makes infants of the person who's holding that other person in condemnation we just don't have space to grow up Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've had that happen and, and it's, it's, there's certain people in my past or I'm just people who've come through old North Abbey where I can sense that in them, um, who, and I'm not talking about anybody specific, but sure. like I've, I've, I've often told people, I tell a lot of people this, uh, people will come and be like, oh my gosh, old North Abbey is so amazing. It's so great like the perfect church blah, 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 blah. and I'm like yeah I want you to know something though uh, eventually we will fail you yeah you know yep 
And, we always do. And depending on how people hear that, I can always tell how they'll process a failure. Some people will go, you know what, you're right. And those people I go, oh, they'll be okay. But some people will be like, what do you mean? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh no. Like, this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. When we don't meet X or Y expectations. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I just so badly want them to like jump in and get like just beat up a little bit <laughs> and like kind of rough out those edges and go, oh, I'm a little bit more polished than I used to be. I can navigate this world of expectations and, mm. and people um, because ultimately some people will just cancel you when you fail them. Right. Instead of move towards forgiveness. Or understanding or even just doing the hard work of processing through the failure. You know, this experience has felt like you have failed me. Can we process through it? Mm -hmm. You know, let's mm -hmm. do the work. Let's walk through that together. Mm. Man, it's hard. But it's worth it. Mm -hmm. In closing today, what would you say? Have a great day. Yeah. <laughs> I think... I think I would say practice asking for forgiveness because it takes practice. I don't think it's something that we're good at naturally. So I think, you know, if there's a space in your life where you know that you've wronged somebody and you've been really struggling to seek forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. Um, and I would say practice extending forgiveness because mm -hmm. it takes practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think real practically from an Anglican perspective, one of the best ways to do that is to engage with confession and absolution in the daily office. And the passing of the peace mm. done appropriately instead of just social time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The passing of the peace in the Anglican tradition is you go confession, absolution. Then we have a thing called passing of the peace. And most people just say, peace of Christ, peace of Christ, peace of Christ, which, which is, is good wonderful. and beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's also a time where you seek somebody out. If there's somebody in the parish with you who there's difficulties between you that you go and you find them yeah. and you, you hash it out as best you can before you come to the table. Yeah. You say, look, I've received forgiveness on, on God's behalf. I'm coming to you now and saying, hey, look, I know there's tension we've wronged one another i want to work towards reconciliation so we can come to the table as brothers or yeah. sisters so yeah um amen yeah I, and i think to some degree there's the other side of that if you really know that you've wronged someone and you cannot reconcile during the passing of the peace i think it's okay to practice abstaining from eucharist for a week or two until you can actually walk through this act of uh, seeking forgiveness or extending forgiveness. Um, and then you come back to the table in a space where you can really uh, engage with Eucharist um, appropriately. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about that often, mm -hmm. but there really is a sense that the passing of the peace, if you can do that in the five minutes or four minutes that the passing of the peace uh, lasts, great. If you can't, maybe you come receive a blessing this week. And you go out and you seek reconciliation with the person that you know you need to be reconciled to. Or maybe you call that person before you go to church and you right. get together. Amen. And then when it comes time for the passing of the peace, you guys yeah. can just give yourselves a big old hug. Yeah, you hug it out. Come to the table. That's right. Amen. Um, 
So those are some thoughts. But I think it takes practice to forgive and to ask for forgiveness. Mm. So practice it. Do you have final thoughts? Not really. I think I'm just still stuck on that. Jesus offers us forgiveness in word and deed from the cross. Yeah. He tells us this is what this is all about um, and offers us to, to live that kind of life, to be crucified with him, mm-hmm. to be raised with him, but to be a people who forgive um, and who learn a life of forgiveness. Yeah. And in doing so, you will flourish, you will have life, yeah. and you will move away from condemnation and death and slavery and bondage of your own inability to forgive. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, I thought I'd actually close by reading, maybe we should have started here, the um, invitation to confession of sin from the Book of Common Prayer. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, we'll go from there. But in the daily morning prayer, we have this invitation where it says, Dearly beloved, the scriptures teach us to acknowledge our many sins and offenses, not concealing them from our Heavenly Father, as if we could actually do that, <laughs> but confessing them with humble and obedient hearts that we may obtain forgiveness by his infinite goodness and mercy. We ought at all times humbly to acknowledge our sins before Almighty God, but especially when we come together in his presence to give thanks for the great benefits we have received at his hands, to declare his most worthy praise, to hear his holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others, those things which are necessary for our life and salvation. Then we pray the prayer of confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're absolved, reminded of the absolution of God and this beautiful reality that the almighty and merciful Lord grants you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You want to send us out? Sure. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Um, Barnuminium. That's right. Get yourself a Barnuminium. Like, subscribe, comment, leave us a review. We're thankful for you guys. And whoa, uh, whoa wait a second. What? We need to thank. Oh, and to our <laughs> listeners, Brenda and Katie, <laughs> we're thankful for you guys. Oh, we almost destroyed our entire podcast. We would have had to cancel our podcast. We had to do it over again. Yeah, that's right. Thanks be to God for Brenna and Katie. They would have Uh, never forgiven us. We are. (laughs) We'll see you guys next time on Two Priests Talking. (laughs) 